0: if you're passionate about your ride, you're in the right place. Todd Bianco is talking cars, trucks, crossovers, electric and hybrid vehicles, and amazing auction and used car finds. This is All Revved Up from iHub Radio. Here's Todd.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. General Motors said that they have a huge annual profit, believe it or not, for 2020 of $6.4 billion on sales of $122 billion, which is lower than last year, but still. Uh, and they made that money by selling really huge trucks and SUVs. Uh, but what that means is that there's profit-sharing checks for UAW members to the tune of about $8,000 each, which is a welcome relief for many families who are still waiting for that, you know, $1,400 from the federal government's proposed coronavirus relief package. Okay. So that's good for General Motors workers at least. And although Rivian has yet to deliver one pickup truck yet, it is already planning on a European assembly plant. Uh, Rivian, uh, the uh, pickup truck and SUV lifestyle electric vehicle maker, uh, has a better chance in Europe um, with its big R1T pickup truck and R1S SUV. Um but it may just want to have electric van capacity to service Amazon. So it could be that the reason they're interested in opening up in Europe is not to sell big stuff, but to really just make uh, vans for Amazon because that could be profitable for them quite a bit. So, okay, there's more hand, hand-wringing over the rumored Apple car. God, it just, it doesn't end. Um, and what, the company, what company will be tapped to build it if it's going to be, you know, built it all. Uh, so, you know, last week we talked that it wasn't going to be the Hyundai-Kia group because I guess they ran their mouth off and, you know, Apple said, no, 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 we can't have that. But that could have, could have just been putting a pause in, in the negotiations. So here are the, uh, the the runners right now. There's Foxconn Technology Group, which already assembles the iPhone and iPad for Apple. Uh, the Taiwanese company has announced plans to form a joint venture with Fiat Chrysler uh, to develop EVs in China, although Foxconn won't be involved in, you know, itself in building. Uh, Magna International, which is a Canadian-based contract manufacturer, um, they have a big factory in uh, Graz, Austria. They do contract work for BMW, Mercedes, Jaguar, Land Rover, and uh, they are, you know, also agreed to build the Fisker uh, Ocean uh Electric vehicle, electric SUV. So they will be doing that for Fisker, of course, if it ever gets off the the, the ground. There's, like I said, there's still possibility. To do this Hyundai Kia, um, Renault Nissan, uh, you know, has the know-how and an EV platform it uses for the Leaf, as well as the new Aria SUV, SUV, which could be used for an Apple car. And then, of course, there's Stellantis, which is the merged entity that combined FCA and PSA. Uh, and, is ex- in, you know, it's experienced in EV platforms used by Peugeot and Citroën. Uh, it would be hungry for the business, that's for sure. Uh, so, it's possible that the pre-merger FCA alliance with Fox Foxconn could be a factor in Apple's decision. Uh, I'm not sure Stellantis would rather – I'm sure Stellantis would rather work with Apple uh, than compete with the tech giant on, you know, which basically has an unlimited resources. Um. Now that the, then yesterday there was a news broke that from the Financial Times that says Apple approached Nissan about becoming a contract manufacturer for its much much discussed electric self-driving car. Uh, the Financial Times says that Apple started discussions with Nissan in recent months, whatever that means. Uh, but the, um, the, con- you know, the contact was brief, and discussions did not advance to the senior management levels. After the two sides disagreed over branding for the vehicles, Nissan balked over the idea of making an Apple-branded car. You know, Frankly, if I were Nissan, they should be thrilled to death to you know, build an Apple-branded car. But I guess there's a little bit of Japanese pride there. And then one more tidbit dropped, I think it was yesterday, on a YouTube channel um, about the Apple car. Apparently, Apple or someone acting on behalf of Apple has approached Sandy Monroe, the engineer guru who tears down cars for a living and advises on ways for manufacturers to cut costs. Um, Sandy has been a been a big fan of Tesla despite some major criticisms, but what he likes about Tesla is that they react so quickly, you know, to improve things in their products. They just, you know, they see it, they do it, and you know, it all of a sudden is already on a car. It doesn't have to wait for four years. You know, they do it very, very quickly. So he's, you know, a big fan of that. And uh, he was asked a question about, you know, what do you, you know, what do you think about the possibilities of the Apple Car? And you know, Sandy said, I can't answer that, which means he's been sworn to the Apple secrecy pledge, which is whatever that means. In other words, somebody made a phone call to him and said, if you discuss it, we'll kill you. <clears throat> so there's always that. And then uh, let's see, Ford has increased its volume target for the upcoming F one fifty electric by fifty percent and that it wants to increase its battery capacity. Ford will need some help with that. Ford's plans hit a big speed bump this uh, last week with its battery supplier, SK Innovations of South Korea. SK Innovations received a 10-year ban in the United States over allegations of theft of intellectual property from fellow South Korean battery firm LG Chem, According to the International Trade Commission, uh, SK Innovation will be allowed to import components for four years, uh, beginning now for the local U.S. production of the Ford F-150 electric which is expected to start production next year. The ITC also has given SK Innovation two years to support the ramp of Volkswagen's uh, MEB line of electric cars, some of which will be built in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which will be the ID4 SUV. Uh, The grace period um, that uh, SK Innovations has been given um, should provide Ford and VW ample time for the transition to a new domestic supplier. Hmm. Whoever that may be, SK's legal troubles in the U.S. were triggered when LG Chem accused SK of stealing its battery production secrets. LG argued that SK hired over 70 of its former employees so it could gain access to sensitive information about its battery manufacturing process and then destroyed Pertinent evidence to cover its tracks. Oh, boy. The same thing happened between Tesla and Rivian. That's why Tesla sued Rivian. They hired a ton of their employees to get their trade secrets. Um, So uh, further, LG Chem claimed that SK's theft enabled enabled the company to receive billions of dollars worth of battery contracts from automakers like Ford and VW. Uh, SK Innovation denied everything, but the trade judge uh, sided with LG Chem. So SK wants the Biden administration now to veto the ruling as it threatens to derail the administration's ambitious goal of transitioning to EVs. Uh, So maybe next time SK will think twice before stealing intellectual property from its rival. And in wake of the ITC's ruling, Ford CEO uh, Jim Farley has called for SK and LG Chem to settle their dispute So that there will be no long-term battery supply problems in the U.S. In other words, guys, you know, write big checks, you know, kiss and make up and go on. So we'll see where that goes to because that, you know, certainly there's a lot of money, a lot of money riding on the line too. Uh, That noise you heard was somebody bidding on a car on uh, bring a trailer that we'll talk about in the next hour. Uh, But usually I don't have those those uh, those notices on my computer, but that's what that is, so. Let's see. Uh, Researchers funded by the Insurance Institute um, for Highway Safety found that the smaller, lighter vehicles that women more often drive and the types of crashes they get into may explain why they are more likely to suffer a serious injury uh, in a collision than men. The researchers looked into whether there was some sort of gender bias in the research uh, into vehicle crashes or whether. Uh, Body type had anything to do with the injuries. They analyzed injuries of uh, men and women in police-reported tow-away front and side crashes from 1989 to 2015. Among the findings were that in front crashes, women were three times as likely to experience a broken bone, concussion, or other moderate injury, and twice as likely to suffer a serious one, like a collapsed lung or traumatic brain injury. Men and women crashed in minivans and SUVs in about equal proportions uh, that that they found. But um, around 70% of women crashed in cars compared to about 60% of men. And more than 20% of men crashed in in pickup trucks compared to less than 5% of women. Men are more likely to be driving, uh, and the striking vehicle in two vehicle front, in two vehicle front to rear and front to side crashes. So usually it's the man that causes the uh, <laughs> causes the crash. Apparently, uh, women were also much more likely to suffer leg injuries compared to men, which may require safety uh, car safety researchers to start building crash test dummies that account for the physical differences between men and women. You think they'd already done that, huh? Apparently not. Okay. Um, I hope they figure out something because, you know, women shouldn't be subject to much higher rates of of injury uh, in car crashes. Uh, During a media roundtable last month, Stellantis CEO Carlos Taveres uh, was asked about the future of the Chrysler brand. Here's his answer. Quote, I would feel uncomfortable to think that one of the three pillars which he's talking about for GM, and Chrysler. Uh, we don't have a clear vision and destination for the brand. While the merger of FCA, and that's the full quote. So in other words, he's saying, you know, he doesn't like the fact that, that they don't have a clear vision for, for Chrysler right now. Uh, while the merger of the uh, of FCA and the PSA Peugeot group um, killed the plans for the return of Peugeot to the United States shores, it doesn't mean that either Chrysler or Dodge will die. With respect to Chrysler, which has been reduced to selling a minivan and an HM300 sedan, Tavera said that the brand needed to be a reboot. He said, I am eager to give this brand a future. And he hinted that Chrysler could be the next technologies leader in the automotive industry. Such areas include autonomous vehicles, zero zero emission vehicles, and connectivity. Dodge, however, is a different case. Dodge is known for for its performance muscle cars, and that's pretty much a dying segment due to the pending electrification of the automotive industry. Uh, Dodge will have to become the... become a, an electrified division doesn't mean electric in other words they're going to put hybrid technology into the cars to you know make them cleaner and give them more power um, so that's probably what they're going to do for the short term but in the long term they're going to have to figure out how to do well uh, elect you know with electricity, like Tesla does uh, making a fast car. So Stellantis, quote, has the technology to deliver the torque, dynamics, and acceleration feeling, while also dramatically reducing emissions. Um, so, you know, h- how do you keep the, uh, keep the feel and sound of a, a rumbling V8? That's a little trickier. You know, electrification can change a lot of things, but it can't really fix that. Um, Jeep has priced the 2021 Grand Cherokee L Ranging from 38490 to six to 60490 That's a lot of money for a Jeep But apparently, that's the going rate uh, The SUV will go on sale this spring The base Laredo trim is a rear drive with a V6 uh, The next is the Limited which starts at $45,490 And adds features such as a power liftgate We'll talk a little bit more about what Jeep is doing here. Uh, when we get back after the, the after the break. This is Todd Bianco. Uh, it's all revved up on IH Radio.
2: CEO Jones Agency. At Jones Agency we are virtually unstoppable 24 7 365. As the leading creative shop in the Inland Empire it's our role to continue providing the best thinking and strategic leadership especially during these challenging times. As we all learn to create and adapt to our new normal at Jones we're one step ahead providing fully integrated marketing services to you the moment you need them at a cost you can afford. And that's our promise. We are here to help your businesses weather the storm, refocus your dreams, and maybe even eliminate some of the barriers. Call us today for a free assessment. 760-325-1437 extension 206. 760-325-1437 extension 206. Hashtag Stronger together.
0: From Detroit and beyond, Todd's talking about trucks, cars, vans, SUVs, and even the occasional dune buggy. It's all revved up on iHub Radio.
1: Welcome back. This is Todd. And before the break, we were talking about the high prices of the new 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee L. And L means it's the long wheelbase version, which is the three-row version. So the base one we said starts at uh, $38,490. It steps up to the to the uh, Limited, which starts at $45,490. And that adds features such as the power liftgate leather seats and a heated second-row seats. Then you step up from there to the Overland, which that one starts at 56490 Wow, these are big. These are big steps up each time, and you can at that level you can opt not. It's not standard, but you can opt for the five point seven liter V eight engine. Uh, it also comes with features such as the power folding third row, um, and collision function, uh, and and a and a culling function a cooling function for the second row seats and an upgraded audio system. Then at the top is the $60,490 Summit, um, which gets you know 20-inch wheels and four-zone climate control and NAPA leather seats and massaging front seats. It all seems pretty expensive to me, but I'm sure they will sell because they apparently do and people like to buy and spend lots of money on these things. Um, So, the standard Grand Cherokee will be redesigned. That's the one that most of us are familiar with, the two-row version, will be redesigned later this year for the 2022 model year. Something I wanted to talk about, I I thought this was an interesting thing, that that the fastest-selling new and used cars in January, and I'm just going to go from, you know, 10 up. So, this is the fastest-selling new car. Number 10 is the Toyota RAV4. Uh, the RAV4 Hybrid, actually. It takes a whopping 19.3 days to sell, which is very, very quickly. And then up from that is number nine, which is the Toyota Tacoma, uh, which is their uh, you know mid-sized pickup truck. And that takes 19.1 days to sell. Uh, next is number eight is the Toyota Sienna Minivan. Boy, a lot of Toyotas here. Uh, and that takes 19.1 days to sell. Uh, then another Toyota, but it's a Lexus, uh, is the LX 570, which is the uh, truck version of the Forerunner, I believe, and that's um, takes only 18.7 days to sell. Then there's a the really big Mercedes GLS. Oh no, actually, the, the lx 570 is the is the is the, uh, is the you know the um, Toyota. Uh, Land Cruiser version, that's what that is. It starts at 98000 the Lexus does. The Mercedes GLS, the biggest uh, Mercedes SUV, only 18.3 days to sell. And it starts at $100,643. Uh, then number five is the Kia Telluride, which is very, very popular and hard to get. Uh, and that only takes 17.2 days to sell. And it starts at 42991 and then up from that is the Lexus RX 450 Hybrid, uh, that only takes 16.1 days to sell, and mm-hmm. it starts at 58,291. Uh, and then up from that is the Genesis GV80. That's their new midsize SUV. Now the reason this is uh, up at the top is because it's brand new to the market, and there was where there weren't a lot of them on, on you know on dealer lots at the time. And so this one only took 14.4 days to sell, and it starts at $64,624. And then up from that is another Toyota, the Lexus IS350. The Lexus IS350, it only took 10.9 days to sell. And the fastest-selling car in the United States is the Chevrolet Corvette. uh, It only took 10 days to sell it, and it starts at uh, average prices $84,698. Now, for the used cars, that's a little different. We'll go through those quickly. Uh, those are number 10 is the Porsche 911 takes 29.5 days and the average selling price is 121,000 as 126,000. Next up is the Mercedes G-Class which is the you know the big tank looking thing. Uh, average selling price is 137,000. It only takes 27.7 days to sell. Then the Toyota 4Runner uh, it only takes 28 days to sell, $35,000 average. I can't tell you right if you can find one. 28 days to sell rounded up with a Mercedes E-Class Lexus GS 570 and a few others that we'll get back once we come back after the break. This is Todd Bianco with All Revved Up on I Have Break.
0: It's Todd Bianco talking cars and trucks on iHub Radio's All Revved Up. Here's Todd.
1: Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about the fastest selling used vehicles in the United States. And let me recap the top five on those again. Uh, Number five was the Lexus LX570. And the average selling price of that is about $70,987. And it only takes 26.9 days to sell one of those things if you can get one. And then number five is the, I mean, number four is the Lexus RX 450H, which is the hybrid RX. And that only takes them 26.7 days to sell, and it's $41,520 is the average uh, price of one of those. Number three is the Chevy Corvette. It only takes 26.6 days to sell, and the average selling price of one of those is $67,308. And then the Lexus NX300 is number two. Uh, It's the small Lexus SUV, uh, and it takes... Uh, only 26.5 days to sell, and the average selling price is $31,271. And then number one is the Hyundai Palisade, uh, which only takes 26.2 days to sell, uh, and the average price of those is $39,551. So, some of these uh, used cars and new cars are selling very, very fast. Some of them because there's just not much inventory of them and, you know, whatever's out there, you know, the, they'll sell very quickly because there's just not enough of them on the market, you know, in, in, in dealer inventories. So, uh, these are these are things to be concerned about. Now, here's... A, Here's one I thought would be, uh, let's see, interesting. Uh, the most and least like car brands. We'll go over that a little bit later in this hour. Uh, and then, let's see, California auto sales, the EVs are going up. And here's this is the one that I thought was really interesting, was deal breakers, cars and SUVs with the highest repair costs for common fixes. Uh, and they, this is from Consumer Reports, and they gave a few examples here, which I think are certainly worth uh, going over, and let's see the the first one that they talk about is the AC compressor replacement, and the average cost for all cars they say is about one thousand two hundred and eleven dollars, but if you have a BMW 750li, it's four thousand four hundred and fifty three dollars, <laughs> and if you have a Lexus GS. 450h, which is the hybrid midsize Lexus sedan, it costs $3,693, and the Mercedes-Benz E400 uh, sedan or coupe is uh, $3,684, so those are significantly above the average cost for something like that. Um, then they go over the alternative repl- alternator, alternator replacement. Uh, so, it, you know, it basically, you need an alternator to, to drive your car, and you see the average cost for replacing an alternator is $825. But if you have a Porsche Cayenne, it could cost you $2,810, and a BMW M760i X-Drive could cost you $2,669. I don't know who's bidding on which car here. um. Let's see the uh, fuel pump replacement. Uh, the average for all cars is one thousand one hundred and thirty-five dollars, but if you have the Lexus IS, it is IS uh, uh, F, so that's the sporty version of the IS, uh, is uh, three thousand seven hundred and fifty-six dollars. The Lexus, boy, another Lexus here, LS four sixty. Um, better hope none of these need to be replaced when you have the car that cost you $3,705 and a BMW M4 could cost you $3,589 well all of those are well above the average here Uh, a serpentine belt which is basically just the belt that drives all the various uh, systems within your car pulleys and levers that's one big belt that goes around all the front of uh, of all the accessories in your car, and the average costs for all cars, just for the belt, you know, replacement of the belt is 140 dollars. But if you have a BMW X1, it could cost you 541 dollars, and uh, if you have a BMW i8, it could cost you 481 dollars. Wow! So um, again, big differences. Uh, starter replacement. Um, Uh, Average cost for all cars, $630. Uh, If you have an uh, Audi RS5, it could cost you $2,708. If you have a Mercedes-Benz GL63 AMG, it could cost you $2,695. And if you have a Porsche Panamera, it could cost you $1,376. Again, well over the average. Now, suspension so- shocks or strut replacement, those can be very expensive. I know I've had those done on my car before. Um, the average cost for all cars was $937. And except if you have a Nissan GT-R, it could cost you a whopping $5,867. Or a Porsche Panamera, it could cost you $4,808. Wow. Okay, timing belt. Uh, Timing belt is what keeps your engines, valves, and pistons moving in sync. If it fails, your engine won't run. And on uh, many of these cars, you know, it's it's vital to have these things, you know, properly uh, maintained and replaced when necessary. So the average for all cars is about $679. But for the Audi RS6... Boy, it's all Audis here. Uh, it's fifteen hundred and forty-five dollars. The Audi S8 is uh, one thousand five hundred and thirty-three, and the Audi A8 Quattro uh, is one thousand four hundred and eighty-five dollars. Yikes. Water pump It's very common to have water pumps replaced right uh, most people who have had a car for any length of time and water pump needs to be replaced at some point so average cost of a water pump to re- be replaced is about seven hundred and ten dollars but if you have a Lexus RX 450 hybrid it could cost you two thousand seven hundred and forty nine dollars. If you have a Nissan GT-R, it could cost you $2,340, and an Audi RS7 would be $2,028. So there's a lot of these various uh, cars that could really, you know, the, the, these are deal breakers. I mean, if you're out there in the used market and you're saying, well, this car only has 50,000 or 50, 60,000 miles, yes, it's out of warranty, but, you know, it should last at least a couple of hundred thousand miles. And that's, it's true that it will or could, but you would still have to do, ma- you know, maintenance. And some of these maintenance items cost you so much. That it's not worth purchasing the car because you could get really stuck with some big repair bills. So these are some things to consider before you do buy you know a used car like this. You know it's just not a very good idea at some point. So let's talk about some tech that could be coming to your next car. So obviously more giant screens, right? Um, you know it, it all started with the Tesla Model S, and now we've got the Mercedes Benz. Uh, has like a uh, they're, they're proposing a 56 inch hyperscreen that will stretch across the entire dashboard of an upcoming uh, EV, the EQS and a larger and it will large largely replace you know all physical buttons. Similarly similarly, the Cadillac upcoming Celestique flagship EV will have a pillar to pillar screen so the entire width of the front of the car. Wow. So, you know, get used to it because this is where, where things are going. Everything is going to uh, basically where everything is going to be controlled by a touchscreen because it makes it easier for them to fix anything that goes wrong. Um, that's what Tesla's been doing all along, and that's why Tesla did it. Okay, augmented reality. Automotive suppliers, including Continental and Panasonic, are continuing to work on augmented reality heads-up display that will show graphics on the windshield to help drivers quickly interpret what they're seeing. For example, a navigation system may display an arrow pointing at the turn you should be ta- you should be taking, or a graphic could point out cyclists or pedestrians to make them easier to see. It may also sound like something out of a video game, but, uh, you know... P- Depending on how old you are, you're used to even hearing that. You know, you're used to hearing these things. Older people may not be used to hearing those things because they're not playing video games. But, you know, many vehicles already have heads up display. And this is just the next step in that, you know, taking it towards more of an augmented reality future. There's already some. Some uh, cars out there, I forgot, is it Hyundai or Genesis, that has sort of like uh, 3D versions of the, uh, of the, the instruments in, in, the, in front of the driver. You know, it's, they, they appear in 3D uh, to the driver. So these things are all coming uh, soon to a car near you. Uh, now, we also have cars that see pedestrians. Uh, among many announcements Jeep made when it debuted the Grand Cherokee SUV that in January was a promise that it would be the first passenger vehicle to feature a thermal imaging camera that could detect pedestrians. Uh, Although a Jeep spokesman told Consumer Reports that the sensor isn't yet to – isn't set to trigger automatic emergency braking, it will give drivers better vision at night. So, you know, somebody's walking in front of you. (laughs) It could still be a game-changer for pedestrian safety – um, and being able to see people at night when you really don't see them uh, oftentimes people are wearing dark clothes these days and you know they don't people don't see you at night um, so it's, it's certainly not a not a bad idea so uh, better batteries for more miles so coming up will be bad you know better batteries on evs basically major concerns about widespread adoptions or ev are the cost range and environmental uh and human rights issues of mining for cobalt. Uh, a lot of new batteries it, don't even have cobalt anymore because of this issue. Uh, keep it, uh, so, General Motors partnered with LG Chem to design this new Ultium range of batteries that will underpin the company's new crop of EVs. Uh, so, the promise is to be simpler design and reduced cost for easier service replacements, all those kinds of things. Uh, other automakers, BMW says its fifth-generation electric drive system, developed with uh, battery maker C, maker CATL, and debuting on its iX3 th- SUV, has a higher dens- energy density. Uh, Tesla will have higher energy density cells on their 4680 cells when that when that comes up as well. Uh, so all of this is going to lighter, more energy dense batteries. Uh, these are all good things. So. Uh, Your next uh, delivery could be electrified. How about this one? Delivery trucks will um, also be electric. Uh, We know that Rivian is making electric ones for uh, vans for Amazon. And uh, uh, at CES, GM announced its new division called Bright Drop, which will be uh, making uh, a fleet of vans for FedEx, all EVs. Uh, Rivian, uh, obviously the one for Amazon. And Ford has an e-transit. Uh, for uh, an electric version of their very popular transit van. So uh, they think self-driving cars are delayed despite Elon Musk's promise of, you know, level five autonomy this year, even though you won't won't be able to use it. And the good news is that small pickup trucks are coming back. So we already have midsize, you know, the Ranger, the Tacoma, and the Colorado, the new Frontier. But we're also having the new Hyundai Santa Cruz, which will be a pickup truck truck, you know all you know it'll be a unibody pickup truck a small one for once and the um the new Ford Maverick is going to be a small pickup truck too based on the uh the Bronco uh and the and the yeah, the Bronco's uh, uh sport uh that's on sale now so all these things are coming up and they'll be all there to to uh you know finally have some things that are in the market that people want so and then the last thing they talk about is that uh, tech companies are becoming uh, car companies and car companies are becoming tech companies. It's all merging into one. And it's all Google and Apple and Tesla. This is Todd Bianco. You're listening to RF Up on Up Radio, and we'll be right back.
0: Todd Bianco's All Revved Up continues on iHub Radio. Participation encouraged, but not required. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Todd.
1: Welcome back. Just as I was about to read a, a story about a Jaguar turning electric, uh, flashes something across my screen here that Jaguar Land Rover plans to cut 2,000 jobs in a reorganization coming up soon. So let's uh, let's. Uh, I, I, it doesn't give me much details here, but it it's I'm sure has to do with the, uh, you know, not have, needing as many people as they do to to produce the cars they they need to make. So, uh, but uh, Jaguar has announced that it will become an all electric brand by 2025. That's right. Uh, By 2025, but you won't be able to buy and you won't be able to after 2025, you won't or by 2025, you won't be able to buy a new internal combustion engine Jaguar, only an electric one. All car companies, yes, including Ford, Porsche, uh, BMW and Land Rover, will be forced to become all electric in the next 10 to 15 years. Jaguar is just transitioning to it faster than the others. Uh, Up first will be the all new XJS flagship sedan. It's been seen out testing in the U.K., and it's due to be introduced later this year as a 2022 model. Uh, Chevrolet just debuted the 2022 Bolt EUV electric utility vehicle. Uh, This week it starts at $33,995, just $2,000 more than the just introduced refreshed 2022 Bolt. The Bolt, you know, got a nice facelift. It looks better. You know, the sheet metal looks better. Um, nice new face. It has a mild reworking of the cheap interior, but it's still a cheap interior. But the, the big news is, is it got a $5,500 price chop uh, for the new model while keeping the same range and battery size. That's pretty good. Uh, both the Bolt and the Bolt EUV are front drive only. They don't, you know, there's no all wheel drive option available. Both cars will get Apple CarPlay and Android Auto as standard and the apps, and then we'll have apps for Alexa, which is, you know, of course, uh, Amazon's AI assistant, uh, and that in the apps can be installed on the infotainment system. And it will also be the first cruise of uh, the first cars outside of, uh, General Motors, uh, Cadillac division uh, that will be able to get super cruise and it will be available on both cars. The EUV, the you know, the what they're calling you know, an electric utility vehicle is only 6.3 inches longer than the Bolt EV on a wheelbase that's been stretched just uh, uh, 2.9 inches. Uh, The Bolt carries a Over the 259 mile range from 2021, the EUV being a bit bigger and heavier uh, manages or still manages a really decent range of 250 miles. Um, Using your level two charging, which is what you do at home in a 240 volt charger. the Bolt, and, uh, Bolt EV and EUV uh, will be able to be fully charged from nothing in seven hours. And GM is even going to pay for the installation of the level two charging box in your home if your home can, can accommodate it. Um, so but if you use DC fast chargers as level three charging, uh, GM says both cars can add 100 miles of range in 30 minutes. Um, more on EV charging station. Uh, EVgo, EVgo has announced that it will add an additional 600 Tesla-compatible chargers to its network in the U.S. in 2021. The company will add Tesla Connect uh, connections to 400 current stations and and to and to 200 new stations that will be will be built by the end of the year. The company already has Tesla vehicle compatibility charging stations at its locations in San Francisco and Los Angeles. The new stations will be deployed in San Diego, Seattle, Denver. Dallas, Austin, uh, Washington, D.C., Salt Lake City, Miami, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. Uh, Analysts who follow the auto industry think that by 2025, Volkswagen will outsell Tesla uh, in electric cars, Uh, but they are wrong, and that won't happen. By 2025, Volkswagen forecasts that it will will have sales in one year. So by 2025, it will sell $1.5 million in that year. But by 2025, Tesla will be selling at least four million cars in one year. I mean, they're 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 you know either 50 percent or 60 percent uh, each year. They're growing. And there'll be two new factories online this year, pumping out new cars. And each one of them will have hundreds of thousands of, of uh, unit capacity. As it is, the uh, you know uh, they're nearly at full capacity in Fremont, and they keep adding capacity and their Shanghai uh, facility. So. I think that's a laughable thing to say that it's going to outsell uh, Tesla by 2023 because uh, Tesla will will sell $2.5 million by 2023, not 2025, so it will already outsell them. Good luck on that one, VW. Um, Mercedes-Benz has decided that the EQC battery electric SUV, that's the C-class version, uh, you know, the, the, the compact size version of their SUV, uh, may never end up on the U.S. market. Following a comprehensive review of market developments, i.e., the Tesla Model Y, the Mustang Mach-E, and the Nissan Ariya, the EQC will not be offered in the United States for now. Uh, so, wow, the EQC was supposed to be sold in the U.S. in 2020, but the range and performance was so lackluster that Mercedes can't afford it for it to be seen as a failure by its U.S. customers. So it isn't coming here. Ford announced yesterday that its a European division would sell only electric cars by, by 2030. So Ford is going all electric for its cars. didn't say trucks, just cars by 2030. Ford is going to spend one $1 billion dollars to retool its Cologne, Germany, assembly plant to make EVs, which will be based on Volkswagen's MEB platform. This is from a partnership that Ford and Volkswagen did last year. Uh, Ford says that by by 2026, it will offer electrified, which means either hybrids or plug-in hybrids, with battery-only options by 2030. Uh, Ford will build its Mustang Mach-E at the retrofitted plant. It's not surprising as many European countries will ban the sales of internal combustion engine cars by 2030 or 2035. GM has issued a recall for 5.9 million vehicles to replace Takata airbag inflators. Uh, the problem is that the airbag inflator may explode uh, because of the propellant degradation after long-term exposure to high humidity, extreme temperatures – and temperature cycling, uh, the inflator explosion may result uh, in uh, sharp metal fragments striking the driver or occupants, uh, result, resulting in serious injury or death. GM said that the recall repairs will be prioritized based on the age of the vehicle and the location, like where it's super humid or something like that. It's more, more important that they replace it there. So it's going to be almost all of their big ones, like their the Chevy Tahoe, Suburban, Silverado, GMC Avalanche, you know, GMC Sierra and Yukon, and the Cadillac Escalades so are all their big trucks. And Mercedes-Benz has recalled nearly 1.3 million vehicles over potential problems with their e-call emergency locator. It doesn't give the right location to the first responders. So they need a software update. Some of it can be done over the air, and some of it can be done, uh, will have to be done at the dealer. So uh, that's a lot of things they need to fix. Coming up in the next hour, John McMullen and I will talk, bring a trailer, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, stick with us. This is Todd Bianco, all ripped up on iHealth Radio.